HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. All right, everybody. Welcome, everybody, to the show Life's a Banquet, the show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara. Horrible. Starring your hosts, me, Brent and Scott, and me, Zara Tangora. A show about ostriches, wine, and dough. <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> Always. Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, banquet. Okay, here we are. Okay, welcome. Hey, hey, welcome to episode nine of Life's a Banquet, the podcast that's edible, spreadable, and pourable. Starring your hosts, Brett and Scott and Zara Tangara. Two lifelong friends, cooks, lovers, and professional nibblers. Oh. Delicious. That's true. We are professional And nutritious. Well, I just got back from uptown. Oh, wow. And by uptown, I mean... Midtown. Above 14th above, Street. Above, above Chinatown. <laughs> I no longer go above Chinatown. For those of you that don't live in New York, or if you do, you can imagine it, and you should come here anyway, but uptown is uptown, meaning above, I don't know, what's 42nd. Your, what's your definition, above 42nd? I mean, I live in Brooklyn, so anything's uptown. Although, when I take the train, not to lengthen this out, but present, I'm going we have all uptown, day. which is to the up part of you know, up northern part of Manhattan, but I always say I'm going downtown. Preston's well, like, you're What going- do you mean? Well, we're going to uptown. So no matter where you're going in the city, it's uptown for you. So even if you're going to like... Unless I'm going to Brooklyn. Got it. Mm-hmm. The age old Brooklyn, So Manhattan. anywhere in the city to you is uptown. Yep. So I was at the Lobster Club visiting a friend. Okay. Uh, which is uh, that Seagram building? Seagram building, I believe. Oh, and beautiful architecture. Gorgeous restaurant. The Lobster Club. It's part of the major food group. They own all those fancy restaurants, the grill and Very fancy. You went to one of them, right? I've been to a few. Oh, ZZ's Clam Bar. I've been there. Delicious. All these fabulous, fabulous restaurants. Anyway, to paint the picture, it's mid-July and it's 142 degrees. Also, I saw all kinds of crazed people out today. It started raining here in New York, like a one of those classic New York, like blackened sky thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden there's like, you know, monkeys and pigeons and raccoons flying in the air. Mm-hmm. And everyone on the street was completely crazy. It was like a zombie apocalypse out there. Uh, so, uh, uh, Sounds like see. you had a great afternoon, but it's important on these kinds of hot July Crazy days to just stay indoors. Mm-hmm. And keep a keep a small bag of gummy bears. 
of weed gummy bears. You have weed gummy bears so you don't get mad. At all times. I love weed. Well, I don't love weed gummy bears, but I love what they do. I don't. I get very, very scared and nervous the second any kind of edible marijuana touches my lips. I immediately start to panic. I look in the mirror. I'm like, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Uh, And then I hide under the bed. I I don't know what happens to me. And then someone comes in. They're like, Zara, that was a regular gummy bear. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like. So it just turns out you're just crazy. (laughs) I'm just insane. I just open my fridge. I'm naughty by nature. And start putting pickles on top. (laughs) What if I mix pickles with peaches (laughs) and slathered it with mustard? That would be like like something you'd eat at Brucey. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Zara's former restaurant. Uh, What else did you. You know what I was thinking about? Uh, What else did you. I had a really good cooking week. Tell me, what did you make? I had some. I had to go to a party, a baby shower. Okay. With uh, a man and a woman. I don't know if this is an, an untraditional baby shower, but it was a couple. Okay. Uh, that had put together a their heteronormative party. baby shower. My friend Thomas, who bartends at Olea Restaurant here in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Love Olea. And I thought I didn't know much about the party, except I thought, well, you know what? Just show up with something nice. It was a Sunday party, and I thought, listen, let's bring a quiche. Oh, perfect. Everybody, you know, there was that book. I posted something on Instagram. There was that picture of that cookbook written in the early 80s called Real Men Don't Eat Quiche. (gasps) Because some homophobic. That is very homophobic. Yeah, some homophobic crazed person who was fearful of losing their masculinity decided to not just think of the idea of writing a cookbook, but wrote it, published it. Other and people signed off on it. Yeah, like, other people yeah, signed off of cool. it. They had a marketing team. I'm sorry. Is that the book over there? I see it on your bookshelf. No, oh. that's called Everybody uh, Deserves Oh, Keith. no, I, I see it over there. Who, does, who wrote it? Oh, Mike Pence. <laughs> yeah, Mike Pence. Got it. And on the back, <laughs> forward by Donald Trump. Yes, exactly. Real men don't eat quiche. Real well, men eat like let me tell you, steak with nails in it. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, to make things simpler, so what I had done I, a couple months ago, yes, two months ago, in real lifetime, I had made a pastry crust, baked it, par-baked it, froze it, okay, wrapped it in foil, and I thought, you know what? It's been in the freezer for two months. Should I chance it? I thought, you know what? It can't be that bad. It was wrapped in foil. And foil really is the secret to preserving things in the freezer. Really? Yes. Better than saran that, wrap. That's so interesting. I don't know. There's probably I'll probably get 4,000 people that say, I yeah. have found. Please use our email address. It's just kind of collecting dust at this that's point. Right. Tell us Life's what you a like. banquet <laughs> podcast. At, at freaking gmail, at hotmail, at aol.com. At, a- at all of them.com. <laughs> that's at gmail. But yeah, we'd love to hear what you think about uh, preserving freezer things. We are available by Passenger Pigeon. And Telegram only at this point because our inbox is flooded. You can catch us a tin can in a string. I'm sorry, so I listen, had to. So I wanted to make a corn quiche. Okay, because I had bought great. some corn the first of the season. Oh, how exciting! Oh, what a day! Oh, what a day! Corn cobs. <laughs> now the East Coast. I'm from Wisconsin. I say that all the time. I'm from Wisconsin, and corn comes a little bit later. Okay. I don't know if they're getting this corn from Pennsylvania. No, no, what. it's around. Okay, so I got I some really it. nice sweet corn. And I decided instead of just having the corn quiche, I would puree it with the with the cream and the milk. Ooh. Okay, so listen to my recipe. I did two cups of milk, one and a half cups of cream, and two ears of corn. A little bit of white pepper. That's white oh, pepper white in Australia. <laughs> white, white pepper. pepper. And I did that, and I just pureed it. And I really pureed it a lot. Wow. And, oh, uh, and eight eggs. I forgot about the eggs. Okay. Eight delicious farm so made, fresh eggs. You made like a really nice corn, a sweet corn a, custard. You made like a sweet corn custard. 
That sounds great. And it was baked perfectly. I baked it at a little bit lower temperature, 330 for a good hour and a half. Okay. A very large quiche. Nice. A thick one. Ooh. So now, listen, I was trying. <laughs> Who doesn't like a thick Well, real men love thick quiche. Oh, yeah. Turns out. Nice and thick. So I baked it. It was in one of those wonderful fluted, removable, bottomed uh, t- tart shells. That's uh-huh. what we'll call it, tart pans. Okay. And it was a true delight. Oh, my God. I'd thrown a ton of fresh herbs in there. <gasps> I did add some bacon, but I didn't tell the people because they were vegetarian and they were Indian. <laughs> it's so I just, fucked up. I'm just kidding. I told everybody. Of course I did. Uh, and it was a hit, a true live hit. It was wonderful. I was impressed with myself. And you couldn't really, it didn't taste like corn. That sounds amazing. I will stop you because I remember you telling me something about another secret ingredient that you put in this quiche that really blew my mind. Can was you it put dill? fried squash blossoms oh in it? Oh my God. I mean, that was such a Zara thing. I had made fried squash blossoms the night before. Of course, you buy a pack here at the farmer's market. Not expensive, $5, whatever. I mm-hmm. could, you know, I had $5 in my wallet. It's like worth it. It's like a worth it treat. I, I thought, you know what? I do it once or twice a year. Yeah. I stuffed them with goat cheese. I fried them in a simple beer batter. The whole process took probably 35 minutes. I enjoyed it. And I had so many left over. I mean, how can you, you know, you yeah. go to a restaurant, and you get three for, you know, $16, which yeah. is really nice. How many did so, you eat? When you fried them I initially, had, think I be had, honest. When I fried them, <laughs> yeah. I probably ate six of them. Okay, that's fine. I and thought you pressed, were gonna say maybe you like we had a weed gummy bear before, and you had like a dozen. A dozen. Knowing me, most likely <laughs> I had more than a weed gummy bear. I had four weed gummy bears and a tincture and fourteen. Oh, you know what's so funny? Blossoms. I actually took a tincture that night. Really? My friend brought one over. It was uh, a one-to-one CBD to THC oil. Ooh, okay. Highly illegal and highly effective. Sounds terrifying. My inflammation was terrible. <laughs> uh, anyway, needless to say, that that quiche was fabulous. Oh my, yeah. So we can talk, you know, you go ahead, message me for the exact proportions. But the great thing I learned about quiche is I tried to emulate, there's a restaurant in Los Angeles called Squirrel. Yeah. You know that restaurant, mm-hmm. a lot of people do. A uh, daytime restaurant. They have wonderful pastries and yeah. delicious, delicious, just brunchy items. I've never been, but I've seen it obviously all over the inter- internet, the interweb, the interweb, and their the quiche tubes. has a lovely, lovely jiggly <gasps> custardy, and I—that's what I wanted. And the corn did it because that's of the amazing. starch in the corn. That's so smart. So, do you feel like if you didn't have fresh corn that People could use cornstarch. I think you could use cornstarch, and I think you can also use flour. Good old oh. all-purpose flour. You could. They said you could throw anywhere between one or two or three tablespoons of flour. That's so smart. I've never heard of that. I've made many a quiche in my life, but I'm going to try it with that. I think I didn't try the flour, so I can't vouch for that. But anyway, I. That's what, awesome. Tell me about what you what. What's going on with you? Well, you know, cooking wise, I was very inspired by our last episode. And as soon as my mom started talking about borscht, I, I realized that I needed to make it immediately. I knew it. And for those of you out there who don't know, even though I'm a cook and a chef by trade and by, you know, that's how I make that all that skrilla, um, I don't really cook at home that much because I'm recently single. Mm-hmm. When I'm in a relationship, I love cooking. And I think this is actually a problem like a lot of single people might go through. You, I know, don't because I know that like you always are cooking and cooking. I know. I can't stop. I love that about you. For me, when I'm single, I'm really out a lot and I don't cook for myself. And it's just the way I am. It's um, easier too when you're in a large metropolis like Brooklyn or New York. 
Exactly. That's right? true. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's so much in my neighborhood. I'm like, I love, you know, I'm a kind of person who really likes being a regular at places. I kind of like just like, you know, I work at home for most of the day and I like like at the end of the day, I'll have a glass of wine and, you know, a small It's bite. nice to go to socialize and sit at a exactly. cute little bar seat and have a cute uh, cocktail. And I'm an extrovert. I'm an out person. I like mm-hmm. to be out. Um, so anyway, I don't really cook at home that much unless you include my, you know, this is my classic dad joke that I always say, unless you include eating almond butter out of the jar. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a dad slash millennial joke at this point. But anyway, I'm, I'm neither, neither yes. dad nor millennial, but I am an almond butter guzzler. Well, so, so you cooked almond going, butter. But, so I made a jar of almond butter. <laughs> so you made a tablespoon of almond butter into your mouth. I'm working for big almond. Um, no. So I got really inspired though, after my mom was talking about borscht and I, do always love to go to the farmer's market, mm-hmm. even though I don't cook that much at home. I'll nibble at a radish. I'll bite into a tomato. You know what I mean? And during this season, I can't keep away from it. <laughs> um, uh, so there was beautiful beets at the Carroll Gardens Farmer's Market. I had some like a half a yellow squash, some potatoes left over from something else I did for By a By the way, everybody, job. the yellow squash this year are to die They're for. gorgeous. They're golden. I don't know what is going on this they're, year. They're really nice. All the vegetables look great. So I got gorgeous beets. Um, <clears throat> pardon me cabbage mm. uh cilantro i had in my house I, I know that's not traditional for a borscht but i use it anyway i made a vegetarian borscht and i used the beet greens in it and then i, I let it boil and toil away on the stove i uh, put on some yiddish yes. music in the background i watched fiddler on the roof <laughs> and <laughs> Did a little dance little... yeah so anyway i cooked this borscht and I threw everything in and can I, I can I interject for yeah, one please second do. and yeah. ask only for myself please and do. for the audience is yes. the difference between chilled borscht and warm borscht well the temperature Breton <laughs> one is hot and one well is everybody cold. it turns out <laughs> so chilled borscht is hot and warm borscht is freezing cold it's like an ice pop so typically warm borscht has beef in it and uh-huh, yes. it's like more hearty uh, it will have sometimes like you know it has like suet like a lot of recipes so called beef. for suet, like beef brisket fat. or just whatever um, cuts, whatever you. like cr- like because it's kind of a pe- it's kind of a cut. peasant dish, exactly. right? Whatever you have left over, exactly. Um, and then the sweet things from the, end of the farmers market tends to be vegetarian because I don't know, like eating cold kind of beef fat isn't the best. It does congeal a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. So at the end of my borscht making process, I was like, oh, I'll put in a stand, um, an immersion blender, and I'll give it like a coarse chop, and then I realized. I don't have an immersion blender. Oh no. How did you survive? I, well, I'll tell you. Oh, here's the secret. Here's my little, here's Zara's little secret Uh, hack. Yeah. Um, Going back to an influential film (laughs) written music by Danny Elfman. (laughs) So what I did was I took my car and I ran over it. And then I scraped the bits out of the tires mm, and I put it excellent. back into the Yes. Pot. No, I took a pair of kitchen shears. Everything was very soft. I'd been boiled for a long time. and the beet, But everything was still in big chunks. And, you know, the beet greens were all together. Mm-hmm. So I took a scissor and I just snipped the shit out of it. You gave it a little haircut I inside gave it a, the pot. I Edward Scissorhands the borscht. Well, and as I was doing it, I was like, Zara, what the fuck are you doing? You're so, like, impatient and lazy. Why don't you just go buy or borrow an immersion blender? And then yeah, I was I like, have one. And then I finished and I was like, this shit is perfect. It looked amazing. It was you exactly what I wanted. You really do have more control. I know. Much more control. I was like, you don't have to use kitchen shears just for, you know, cutting twine or snipping asparagus stems. You can cut up your soup with them too. Okay, everybody, I'm going to put a link on this. Actually, check out the Instagram because I'm going to put this after our episode. After we're done recording, my favorite kitchen shears. Oh, you know yeah. Which, so Brenton I, has a great pair. 
uh, my friend, Chef Erica, Erica Orling, uh, she's the one that works at Macau Restaurant okay. as of right now, I think. And she introduced me to this wonderful Chinese kitchen shears, which is a fancy little gold handle. Yes, and it's not, they're not they're that lovely. expensive. I think they're seven or eight bucks. I give them. That's to, amazing. I give them as Christmas gifts, and I often give them two years in a row. Oh, and that's then so funny. I've people are like, "Oh, you gave that to me last year. Oh, you never got one." I never know. Well, Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. Only he's put a shear in my little splat. That is the best. What is that? The Muppets. Christmas in July. It's always Christmas. Okay, that kitchen shears. Is super sharp. I've had it for two years, and I, there are six, seven, eight bucks, I think, yeah. different sizes. Highly recommend. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You can have one of ours engraved and signed. Uh, you can have my old one for $45 plus shipping and handling with three, install, three installments. You'll sign it? $95, yeah. Easy. You should sign the person with the with the shears instead exactly. of signing the shears. Exactly. Uh, what? You know what else? Okay, sorry. What? Continue with the so the borscht was perfect. The I just tasted it over a mason jar of it, and it's delicious. I really like. I really don't even eat at home, even if I cook something at home. Usually, I just let it kind of let it like go in the fridge until it's almost rotten. Until and I, I come over and eat it. Yeah, or I just like I'm like, oh, I'll put this in the freezer and serve it sometime in a dinner party, and then uh, that never usually happens. Did you wrap it in foil? Uh, I yeah. I wrap every <laughs> soup that I make in foil and just smush it in Double, the back yeah. of the freezer. Um, no, so but this I've been eating like every day, and I put a dollop of yogurt on it and some pistachios and that's right. You olive need the oil. Cre- you need the creme fraiche yeah. or the yogurt. Exactly, I think yogurt's great. Um, yogurt and some something crunchy is always fun. So could I shave some horseradish over it? Ooh, that would be amazing. You have that big cock-shaped horseradish that you got yeah, last week, Yeah, that right? is definitely the best-shaped vegetable. It was very horse cock-shaped, which brings me to something that I want to talk about, oh, not yes. food-related. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'm going to do a plug here for uh, for someone who literally, and I mean that in the Webster's version, not... <laughs> the uh, old Webster's I version. Mean, yeah. I mean literally, literally, literally. Uh, someone who literally, literally saved my life in an accident um, about... 12 years ago now, a guy named Boots Riley. I was in an accident with my friend, Mr. Liff. Oh, we yes. were in a tour bus, went off a cliff. That's how I got the money to open my restaurant. That's why we're sitting here talking today. <clears throat> Precisely. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a gentleman named Boots Riley. who's in a group called The Coup. And he helped uh, pull me to safety. And wow. he, he was in the accident. And he, for anyone who lives under a rock, um, has just put out this new movie that he wrote and directed and did the music for called Sorry to Bother You. It's I have not seen it yet, but I'm going. Incredible. Um, no, but I just wanted to give a plug for that. It really was awesome. And like, I think it's interesting how things that like maybe aren't uh, directly influential, just seeing things that are exciting and seeing people who are doing things that are like really cool and inventive and creative can just inspire you in whatever whatever medium you're working in. So for me, like I'm not, I wasn't like, oh, this is going to inspire me to make uh, a movie, but it inspired me. It to you Open know up. do the thing <laughs> no it inspired just seeing that film made me like you know oh i want to work harder on the podcast i want things uh, to be exactly we should all be working on yeah even the smallest of projects exactly and it's just it, like borscht it's proof that when you work hard at something and you're really into what you're doing like you can do anything and he worked so hard on this film so I was well really this i think it's time for me to introduce my topic <gasps> because it's all about determination oh my gosh you know that that's my favorite kind of story an mm-hmm. uplifting one. well that is what you know what this podcast with this show podcast and show is about uh determination uh through the thick and thin Ooh. now if 
Anybody has heard of a few, you know, everybody's heard of Julia Child, right? Yes. So we're going to discuss today a little bit about uh, food and television. Okay. And I guess specifically, there's there'll be a few parts to this throughout my life, uh, throughout this show, that'll recur probably later in the year. But the first one is a very, very, uh, very near and dear to my heart. <gasps> And it's not Martha Stewart or Julia Child. I know who it is, I think. Well, of course. Oh, my I'm God. holding in my hand oh, here. Oh, the booklet. Ah, uh, yeah. Is it holding the booklet? I am holding a booklet. That's so funny. I was just talking to Sarah last night because she doesn't know about her. Oh, well, ever- world, we are welcome. Now, I'm not the first person to bring this fabulous woman back. Okay. So what we're discussing today is none other than Fanny <gasps> Craddock. Uh, and... For those of you that don't know Fanny Crowdack, I encourage you to press pause right now on the show. If you can bear to not hear our voices for a few <laughs> seconds, press pause and quickly go into YouTube and Google or just YouTube Fanny Crowdock with one D, C-R-A-D-O-C-K. Oh my God. Quickly watch the Christmas pudding video or Please. something fabulous. We'll put all these links up in our Instagram. Oh my God. Uh, and I don't even need a link because YouTube is the giant link of life. And uh, now I want to tell you something. This woman tell was me. before Julia Child or kind of actually during. What uh, year? A little bit before. Okay, so I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, Fanny Craddock. Uh, first of all, her name, she was originally born under the name of Phyllis Nan Sortin Pesci. Oh my God. That's, a, that's amazing. Uh, so she was from uh, the wonderful country of Great Britain. Uh, Ooh, born in London. Hello. Uh, this was a little couple little facts I found out, and I so I re, I became obsessed with Fanny Craddock this last winter. It was uh, a full on obsession. It was an obsession. It I couldn't stop. Me. It's contagious. You guys are gonna get it too. I couldn't stop. I, it's incredible. You, it's unbelievable. It, the videos are unbelievable. But what is more important is that her life is unbelievable. Her father was uh, actually bankrupt. Oh wow! And this might have contributed to you know her father lived a very tough life. It doesn't matter. But she was a she was determined. She was determined to do something that would make her famous. Damn, Gina. And they don't know exactly what, but she was. She had a very tough life. She was married when she was seventeen. Oh Some God. pilot, he died, and they had a kid. She had to. The grandparents had to adopt the kid, and then she met another husband, and then, uh, you know, the details go on and on. She was married quite a few times. Wow. How many? Do you know how many? Uh, I believe it was four times. Wow. And there was a period around 1920. So she was born in 1909. So around 1929, she's probably close to 20 or who knows. Yeah, that, that And makes apparently she was, she had not been a cook. Now this woman was known for her, her school of cookery and videos online. <laughs> the booklet. And the booklet. And we'll tell you all about it after you've looked upon uh, her videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So she had a rough time for about 10 years, I guess. And was trying to figure out what to do with her life. She worked at a dress shop. She sold encyclopedias. Wow. Yeah, and sold encyclopedias. She must have been vacuum cleaners, I think. So did my grandfather. Yeah. My grandfather was an Electrolux salesman. He was originally an oil tank, an oil truck driver, and then he started selling Electrolux vacuums. He got a Cadillac, and his life was changed. He had moved on up. Yeah. And he sold those Electrolux vacuums until pretty much the day he died. And yeah. I still have one. They were fabulous vacuums. Yeah. Sorry, I just needed to. Oh, that's okay. I let mean, everybody she, know that we should all stop whatever we're doing, and if we want to change our life, sell encyclopedias. Exactly. Uh, I had a friend that did that. Uh, he was a twin. So <laughs> now, listen. So I'm afraid of twins. What happened was, 
So I'll tell you. The first time she was on TV was around 1954. Now, she had met in 1939 a man named Johnny Craddock. Major Craddock. Yeah. I guess his name was. And he was in the military. I don't know. I didn't really do a whole lot of research about him because it doesn't matter because she's so fabulous. And they started a cooking show together. And before they started the cooking show, they started a live theatrical audience. They turned an, the the theater into a restaurant, and they did live cooking demonstrations. Oh, what I want to do that. I Wouldn't yes, that we so want to bring fun? this back. It was fabulous. She they loved Escoffier, of course. So they were very. They were talking about how you know, French food. And this is back when the British had very terrible food, especially post-World War II. Can you tell um, some of our listeners who might not know Escoffier? Yes. So just for those of you that don't know Escoffier, Auguste Escoffier was uh, late 1800s in France and sort of, uh, I guess, modernized and refined the French cooking techniques that we know today. Right. So, and he, he wrote them all down and published them in a book. And so, so he Fanny, was a fancy yes. pants. So Fanny and John Craddock were, oh, we must, you know, commemorate this man and everything we do and t- teach people about him in Britain because it was not, ve- it was not a very progressive food culture back then. Right. According to legend, I was not alive then, well, nor did yeah, I live there. So the stereotypes that lead us <laughs> exactly. to believe. Exactly. Uh, so uh, they went on, they created a, a column uh, and it was called Bon Viveur. Which actually Your was pronunciation is really good, and it was supposed to be bon vivant, but they didn't. I don't know. There was all kinds of things like, did they know how to pronounce it? Did they oh. try to make it their own? Uh, and they were also known for being very cost effective and giving you options when you couldn't afford things or things that were tightened, you know, yeah, which, easy on the purse, which so we love. Say. Exactly. Wait, she said easy on the purse. That was her mm-hmm. tagline. And now, and she was also apparently known for bringing, I think, pizza to Britain and perhaps uh, the shrimp cocktail. <gasps> Yes. Shrimp cocktail? That's what they say. You know, everybody says they have a claim claim to fame. Uh, she also loved to dye her foods. Uh, and she had something. Oh, she was known for, it was called green cheese ice cream. And it was ice cream made Barf. with Greer cheese dyed green. How dare she? That is fucking gross. I'm sorry. I like most things, but that's, she also made some disgusting things. Disgusting things. Well, that's okay, one so of them. she was known for her fabulous over the top she would have pigeon uh roasted pigeon but then she would put the actual pigeon wings during presentation <laughs> like the feather <laughs> and she wore these prom like dresses on her television show and she had a series of assistants she was sort of known for uh sort of you know having this being this domineering wife with like the dummy husband like oh johnny get over here you Dummy, you're always so slow. <laughs> and he was like, oh, yes, Fanny, I do think so. Oh, oh, Johnny, shut up and chop the onion. She didn't say that, but I did. And Also, we should mention that she looks like a full-on drag queen. Yeah. She looks like, who could we describe that she, like, she looks like a certain man dressed in drag, and I can't quite put my finger on it. You go on, and later in life, as she became close to the 1970s, uh, she was known for wearing even more and more makeup, uh, and she became very thin. Uh, Fanny Craddock also recommended a few things to her fans, uh, which was, this was a funny one. Uh, she recommended cooking uh, in third position in the ballet world. In third position ballet, <laughs> first, second, third. Of course. Because it avoids uh, spilling soup, specifically. That's ultimate. the greatest thing I've ever heard. Control. 
Okay, first of all, you should know that people like Jamie Oliver, celeb yeah. chef Jamie Oliver, said that she inspired his dinners that he used to do. Really? And some of his, apparently, according to legend, uh, Amy Winehouse uh, said, oh, I'll cook you a Fanny Craddock-like dinner. Really? She is the late Amy Winehouse. Oh, um, man. So that people know about her, I mean, she's the a big, British people know about She's a big deal on Yeah, the yeah she was the Julia Child. Maybe, I don't know. And now listen, her story is incredible because uh, she ended up working for the gas council in the 1950s. So uh, they acquired a lot of money, especially with their cooking show. The BBC picked it up and they really were sort of the leading authorities on, on television. And they were, they were television superstars from the fifties until around uh, 1976. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay. And they acquired a lot of money. They were, they were lavish dinner, dinner parties and they had, they wanted to be like Hollywood, you know, Hollywood celebrities living in the English countryside. Wow. Uh, yeah, you can actually go online and watch her. She gives a tour of her house and everything. So it all came to a screeching halt. <gasps> and in 19, okay, so she was exiled in Ireland at this point for tax evasion. Wait, what What year are we saying? Uh, right on early 70s. Okay, so from, so from like 1950 to about, 1976, she was a big fucking deal. Uh, 20 years. That's amazing. But then years. she had a tax issue. Yeah, you know, we all she we all have a little problem. Uh, but, you know, she was sort of this, uh, the average housewife, uh, you know, may, you know, bringing the housewife to make exotic cooking. Mm -hmm. And I think of a name, I think, oh, wait, Martha Stewart did that, but in the 90s for yeah. America. So she was obviously influenced. So yeah. she goes, she gets a ta has a tax problem, and she gets sent to the island of Dr. Moreau. Yes, is in Ireland, apparently gets invited back to this this cooking show. And there was a there was a contest for the for an average housewife uh, so that they could cook for the prime minister. So they had to come up with a menu. So there was a contestant named Gwen Troke. And she had sort of devised this menu. And she said, oh, yes, after the first course, we'll be doing a seafood platter. The second course, we're doing a roast duck. And third course, she's created coffee cream pudding. Now, Fanny Craddock is one of the judges. And Fanny's like, oh, <laughs> you dummy like that's far too rich you have any friends that are alive you idiot and she this <laughs> she is on, just was on this, one. Oh, she apparently fanny craddock was known for being a sociopath oh my god so she's roasting this poor woman who's like roasting on a competition just oh my god this poor woman you could see you can actually watch this video and you can see this woman about to cry and she's trying to defend herself and uh the bbc cancels all of her future shows and the public outcries are like oh my god she's lost at this time fanny is pure evil i found out they were they had written a play about fanny craddock and they said some of the in some of the research they said some of her friends said she was addicted to diet pills oh so she was on AKA, fucking speed aka requiem for a dream so she's on mad speed yeah. she's drawing those eyebrows on as close to her forehead uh, her hairline as possible she's like, this uh, is too rich huh. because anything other than vodka and water is too rich for someone yep. who's eating diet pills. Diet pills, purple in the morning. Oh, oh my don't God. even get me started. I can't watch that movie. But so Fanny Craddock is now not allowed on television. Oh. Now, do you think she gave up? You think I, somebody not that. Not on all those diet pills. She probably clawed her way right out of wherever the hell dumpster she was in. She decided she to broke become, back into the studio. She decided um, yeah. to become a fiction writer. <gasps> <laughs> so she started writing fiction and some novels that you can, it's like a castle on the rock or something. It's I've never read that The castle on the rock. 
Yeah, so I don't know. The Castle Annie. Castle Rock series, something like that. And she it started Castle Rock Entertainment. Castle Rock, yeah. <laughs> and it turns out. So here, you know, I became obsessed with Fanny just by her, the sheer exoticism of her videos. They're insane. Yeah. I guess she was even, she, apparently there was a, an episode where she dropped an entire chicken on the floor <laughs> and she picked it up because none of these shows were edited back then or they yeah. were live or something. She's like, oh, just dust it off. She's like, remember, you're the only one in the kitchen. No one will know. I love that shit. I, I mean, that's how, it's exactly how you and I both cook and are. Yeah, she's I always drop a complete chicken. psychopath. Mm-hmm. Also, that we have that in common with her. Yep. She's fabulously dressed. She's kind of slo- she's a little bit sloppier. I'm not. She always has an assistant yes. cleaning up at Sada. 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 Oh my god! So okay, so she gets fucking booted off the air. She starts writing children children's books mm, or just I think like adult fiction. Okay, cool. She early she did try her hand at at children's books as well. Got it. Yeah. T- t- and then and then what of her? Uh, then she was uh, her you know her husband died I think in seventy seven or something. Johnny. Poor did thing. she murder was, him? I bet she killed him. No, I think he was just old. He had cancer. He was oh. older than she was, and uh, she had abandoned children in her life. He had four children. They there was you could go on and on. This woman was crazed. I mean, yeah. talk about a crazed life, but. Uh, she was uh, exiled to a nursing home, and she uh, wait exiled to a nursing no, home. No, I mean she lived in a nursing home because she had no because nobody she, cared about her. Nobody liked her. Yeah, she died lonely. Where and the sad. hell was Jamie Oliver? I thought he was obsessed with her. And Amy Winehouse. <laughs> where were they when she was in the fucking They're nursing like, home? Fanny, we yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, sorry, Fanny, but yeah. we're busy. Oh. Jamie Oliver's like, oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> Fried egg casserole. Explode. <laughs> Whack. Full of that oven Whack. He's probably copied everything. <laughs> She's like, so he probably took our pills. Uh, I know he did. Jamie, there's a message for you from the nursing home. It's Fanny. She's wondering if you could come visit since (laughs) you've stolen all her recipes. And her pills. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, it's brilliant. Well, so I guess the moral of the story is be determined and don't die lonely. And don't die alone. Be nice to your children. Mm -hmm. Um, No, but I, I think that she was just like such an interesting, weird character when you watch her shows on TV, it's very interesting. The beginning of food television, one of the things that I thought was like so fascinating when I watched her show that they didn't have anything like properly set up. Like there was no sink. So she's like mixing things with her bare hands in this like really grotesque. Her videos were like borderline grotesque. She, the two <laughs> things about her videos, she always would say, Oh, and then I, my hands were just freshly scrubbed. Like, I've just scrubbed my hands in the yeah, sink. Yeah, but then there's no fucking sink. But there's sink. no sink. And she's just, like, taking, like, I remember this one where they were making some kind of Christmas pudding, and yes, she's mixing it with her gnarled claw hands. Claw hands. and Which hadn't been washed since yeah, 1972. Yeah, and then she just, then there's no running water. So to clean them, she just wipes them off on, like, a dry towel. Mm. And she's like, okay, mm. and uh, now we're ready for the uh, frosting. It's all in the booklet. And in, she was known for in the booklet, and apparently... She never gave her recipes so that it was more difficult for people to follow. Right. She'd have to continue to watch her shows. Now, I think she's very smart. She's very smart. And in the booklet. The booklets are amazing. And, and I'm holding What, what am booklet. I looking at right there? Did somebody get you a Christmas present yes, this year? Yes, my Christmas present from Zara last year was a booklet. Oh, that's, that's funny. And, and mine, right here, mine was a pair of scissors. Just kidding. Yes. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> I got Spumonis, a lump of Marsala ice cream. You know, she was very big on French food. Is there something in there that's particularly, like, can you open to a page? Mm. Yeah, of course. Uh, the first page I'd open to right now is 
uh, tartatan, in which she calls it an upside-down apple flan. Is there any green cheese in it? Uh, no, nothing. <laughs> what a disaster person. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I shouldn't talk about poorly about Apparently uh, one of our heroes, had, but really. She had later decided not to use so much. So listen, do yourself a favor this week and go ahead and watch some of, you know, the one thing that I learned from studying about her is that this was at a time when, number one, cooking wasn't necessarily considered cool or fashionable and yeah. there wasn't a lot out there. And also as a woman to pave her way into the world of television celebrity took a lot of determination. A, a lot. And perhaps as if you ever saw the movie, remember uh, Kira Donovan in no. Dolores Claiborne, the movie, oh, the Stephen yeah. King movie. And she says, sometimes being a bitch is the last thing a woman's got to hold on to in this world. Oh my God. Talking about men that like, you know, I don't know. I'm not yes. trying to sound all like cuckoo, no. lu- <laughs> cuckoo, luku feminist here, but it, I mean, you can come on to our team. You're happy. But listen, I think she had to fight to get what she wanted. Absolutely. Also, to just be completely honest, she wasn't attractive either. And especially in that day and time, there wasn't unattractive women really. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even still, we still live in a culture where you, well, we only really. Oh, she had to get her, she got her nose fixed in 1954. Apparently she had plastic surgery in her nose. It was crooked. And then she also Uh, learned to speak proper British dialect. Perfect diction. Yes, it was like a diction, a correct British diction that was used for television purposes. Wow. So to make you sound like you were of a different class. Well, I want to ask you about Fanny. What do you think made her want to be so determined do you think she loved cooking do you think she wanted to be a celebrity do you think that she wanted money like do, do you think that she was really um attached to trying to help people figure out frugal ways well, to frost a christmas pudding? there there was a lot of information of course a lot of the history wasn't written down it's a lot of british history and there was many authors that i found online on on the independent and yeah. on bbc and uh, and I guess some of the people said that she was searching in her 30s for something when she was at the and she was unhappy and she had discovered she started working in restaurants. Yeah. And then discovered the cooking with Scofie and said she just connected to it and maybe it just gave her a sense of purpose or she just really discovered she liked cooking later in life. Maybe she didn't have the opportunities. Uh, yeah. And then when she met her husband, John, I think they just worked together and they thought, hey, this is something that we could right. do. And you know what? They influence a lot of people. They influence a lot of people. And it's very interesting to know how many people don't know about her. I was talking to my friend Sarah last night um, who knows a ton about cooking. She knows a ton about classic cookbooks. She really knows like more than almost anyone. And she hadn't heard of Annie. I was also talking to someone uh, over Christmas who's a very well-known uh, food celebrity, wonderful person. We were chatting, and she oh, had yes, she yes, didn't yes. know a fan either. And I hope that she went on to uh, go check her out. But yeah, she's, she's well, incredible. my favorite uh, cookbook store owner, Bonnie Slotnick of Bonnie Slotnick Cookbooks. Uh, where is that at? Uh, which is on uh, between First. It's on. It's in New York City. Mm-hmm. It's in the East Village on Second uh, Street and First Avenue. Yeah, it's a and great the, place. just inside and. Then, uh, if I have the time, I'm going to go over and talk and see if I can get Bonnie on the horn. And because hey, she Bonnie. said she told me at this early spring that a lot of people have been coming in and asking for Fanny Craddock stuff. That's amazing. And I'm attributed this to me. She, I mean, of course, <laughs> absolutely. Tastemaker. Hello. Hello. <laughs> she's incredible, though. I love those uh, Christmas episodes where she's, it's just everything is so, it's like, it's over the top. It's voluptuous. It's almost like watching a smut film or something because oh, it's, it's kind of sexy and kind of intriguing, but also 
hard to watch. You know Very what I mean? Hard. Well, puddings, it's you know, dirty. Keep in mind, this was in the 1960s. And totally. But every, oh my God, you know what? The, my favorite Fanny thing that she made on those, that Christmas episode. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> she was like, what was it? Oh, it was mincemeat was the episode. Uh, and the episode was about mincemeat. A mincemeat omelet. Which, with, yes. The mincemeat powdered omelet. sugar. Dude. So she's putting mincemeat in this, mincemeat in that. She's making these mincemeat crepes. If you go watch Fanny Craddock videos right now. Mincemeat episode. begin with the mincemeat. The mincemeat episode, yep. She makes a omelet with a mincemeat filling. Anyone who doesn't know mincemeat, it's not meat. It's not meat. It's like a sweet fruitcake filling. Fruit nuts. She fills an omelet with it and covers it in powdered sugar, and I nearly fainted. I couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, How do you know? Don't knock it till you try it. I mean, that's Just very like fair. Bears. That's very, very fair. I'm going to imagine that I wouldn't have enjoyed the 1965 version of her mincemeat omelet, which she also basically like comes within an inch of breaking the entire stove while she's like making this omelet. She's like, so now what you do is you go into the stove and you just shake it like this. Oh, she shakes the heck out of the pan. (laughs) Seriously. Well, that was due to the amphetamine she was taking. I know. She's like pops a diet pill at the commercial break and she's just like. Listen, who hasn't (laughs) had their years of diet pills? Hello, raise your hand. Hey, we're both raising our hands. We were thin as heck. Uh, Don't do diet pills. And <laughs> don't do speed cans. You know what? I wanted to introduce uh, this week. So I don't know. Go ahead. Do yourself a favor. Again, Fanny is wonderful. I think she's highly influential. I'm sure she had a lot of problems in her life. Luckily, uh, all those relatives and abandoned children have been long forgotten. <laughs> you know what she remind what Fanny reminds me of? She reminds me of our patron saint and the the inspiration for this podcast in the first place, Auntie Mame. Yes. She, I mean, she's oh, a yeah, Auntie cool. Mame's a little bit more glamorous. She's like a perhaps, you know, not quite so. I think she was a little bit nicer to people. Oh, Auntie Mame. Auntie Mame. Oh, of course. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say Fanny. Uh, yeah, of course she was. But she reminds me of Auntie Mame in the way that, like, she, she I guess her determination. Yeah. She wanted fabulousness, but she also was like, you know, you can do this on a budget. She had a rough life. Yeah, she had she a had tough a rough life. life. You know, yeah, she's a she's a mame. I actually think that's kind of a fun club to put people in going forward from this moment on. Like, yes. if you find that someone's a fabulous person who also can rough it, it can be a man or a woman, anyone, a cat or a dog, exactly, especially a cat. Like, exactly, looking at sparkles right now, he's definitely a mame. Uh, so now uh, it's time for an episode of Mystery Vegetable of the Week. Oh, Mystery Vegetable of the Week. Mystery Vegetable of the Week. Mystery. I bet that Fanny would have liked this. Uh, okay. So now so for this one, I'm going to blindfold you. Oh. Wait, do you want to do? I mean, you're going to know what this is. This yeah. isn't the most uncommon You can blindfold thing. me. Is that why you have that blindfold there? And yeah, also yeah. why you have that the uh, noose. nylon stocking and, and that, that razor sharp knife. Blade? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just hold on one second. I'm going to pause this. Okay. okay perfect. Okay, Zara is p- applying the blindfold. Zara, can you see? How many fingers am I holding up? I don't know. I'm scared in here. Okay, I don't, I'm well, very two. afraid of the dark in general. Okay, perfect. All right, well, I'm going to turn the lights off even to make it even darker. Okay, oh. hold on. What's going on? Okay. <laughs> ah, he's back! Uh, <laughs> all right, so I have, I have run to the refrigerator and pulled out uh, my sharp cleaver. <laughs> uh, which I'm applying over Zara's neckline right now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I read this week that 
a lot of chefs and there's been a lot of people where you blindfold and then it's actually much difficult. Zara, I don't, I think you're going to pass this with flying colors, but I'm holding a, an herb. Now this herb is not extremely, uh, it's, it's well known. you most people have probably heard of it. Don't, don't be ashamed if you haven't. Uh, but Zara, go ahead and grab the herb. Is it curly parsley? Okay, wait, hold on. Don't touch it. First, I'm going to put it in front of your nose. And if you're this gonna is know. your dick, I'm going to be really upset. Shh, disgusting. <laughs> oh my God. It is your dick. Uh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. The er- Here, this is the herb. Okay. What does it smell like? Describe to our audience. Mm, it smells th- grassy. It okay. smells grassy. Okay. You want to take a leaf? Um, yes. Wait. If I feel it, I feel like I'm going to know what it is. I do know what it is by the feel. Should yeah. I say it? Yeah, of course. I know that it's shiso. Okay. You can take your damn freaking thing. Okay. So mystery. Uh, but I knew it was that from week. smelling it. But You can take your blindfold off now. No, Mystery herb. I like the blindfold. Oh, it, now makes she likes other, it makes my other senses more heightened. And then I don't have to get the awkward thing of like looking at so you through could this you, whole thing. Uh, tell our audience <laughs> what you're tasting right now. Well, what does it taste like? Shiso has this like really interesting flavor. It's definitely grassy, but it also has a very interesting like citrusy thing to it. That's what I always notice about it. And it's kind of a mixture between a very light bitterness and um, a citrusy flavor. And I also, and I don't know if this is like only by association because a lot of the times I have it with ume, uh, which is a salted Japanese plum. plum. Yes. But I feel like it has a plum taste to it too. Okay. But that There's could always, be you know, association. They always have that sushi roll, white fish, right? White fish with shiso. Well, I really like the one at, um, at Habino, which is in Cobble Hill. They have a Cute wonderful, wonderful roll. It's just ume and shiso and rice. And it's, the rice is warm. Ugh. It's so really good. This week I've just chosen shiso because I think every week it's just fun to use something that I don't normally use. And mm. uh, shiso is available in both green and red, and it is part of the mint family, same as basil is. Uh, obviously, very different. Apparently, like all things in life, it's from China. And uh, wow. And apparently, they went to, they brought it to Japan many years ago. So it's sort of known as a Japanese herb. Uh, and I just got this information from our house, uh, our in-house gardener, Ryan McAllister, who is Martha Stewart's personal, uh, gardener. Cool. He just sent me a text. Oh, that was the text you were waiting for. Yeah. So I just got it. So I use shiso in a lot of things. I dice it and put it, you can put it in an omelet. Uh, you can add it to a sandwich. It, you can, uh, you can do anything with it that you would use, say like parsley. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a stronger flavor. Yeah, uh, but it's versatile. If you don't have it at your local, actually, it's very hard to find. Not a lot of people grow it. It is hard, but uh, it seems to be around all it, the time during the summer. It's a very hardy plant, and they grow quite large, but you can always find them kind of individual wrapped leaves, often at, at Asian markets or mm-hmm. Japanese markets. They'll be in kind of the herb. They're usually wrapped in like some yeah. surround wrap or whatever. And if you find it and you want to preserve that taste for a while, I recommend. Oh, yeah. How do you preserve it? Making a shiso vinegar. Ah, yes. Yeah. Good idea. You want to preserve anything? Put it in vinegar. Put it in vinegar. Or put it in vodka. But the red one makes a real... Oh, yeah. Or vodka is great, too. Oh, she's so cocktail. Can I ask you... She's so nice. She's so nice. What do you think that Fanny would have done with shiso had she encountered it? Oh, yes. Do slice and dice the shiso. She would probably have wrapped it in some... Like, she would have stuffed it and then maybe tied it with like a... Chive bow, and then what would have been inside of it? Like a chicken liver and like some 
uh, yeah, icing a sugar, uh, a sauteed kidney. And all we uh, need to do now is uh, cover it with some icing sugar. Icing sugar, then some fresh, de- soft whipped cream, <laughs> and a dollop of sherry. <laughs> and a coddled, oh, she loved her eggs. <laughs> so she says, Miss, okay. Interesting. Well, I have um, a question for our. Like, I guess it's interesting because a lot of time when we do a top three, yeah, um, we do like, you know, well, where's your top three places to eat lobster or what's your top three bagels and locks? Hey, what are your top three for this week? I think it's a mm. fun one to ask. What, oh, are, what yeah. are your so top three TV cooking personalities of all time besides, besides Fanny, of course. Besides Fanny. And I'm going to say besides Martha Stewart because that's just an obvious. Okay. Okay. My top three... Uh, cooking personalities. Okay, Jeff Smith of Frugal Gourmet. I goddamn it! I knew you were going to. Say I know, that. I know, I know that. You took Jeff that. Smith. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Smith, and I love what was that Southern guy? Paula Dean. No, the guy that was like, how do you know? Paula Dean. Yeah, no, it was a man. <laughs> Paula Dean. <laughs> I'm being an asshole. No, no, no. This is far before. I'm. Uh, no. The, okay, I'll think of this guy in a second. What does he look like? Uh, What's- he had suspenders. He was kind of Southern. Jimmy Carter? Chef uh, Paul Perdome. Oh, mm hmm. He's a good one. And then, you know what? I never say this, but I really, really love that wonderful Emerald <laughs> Lagasse. Oh, my God. Which, Bam! By the way, I want to tell you a really quick story. When I went to go see the Martha Stewart show live. Was I on at the time when you went? Because I had uh, been. No, on actually, it. it was the time that I took uh, Ryan McAllister. And then he ended up, up being her girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, but he, we get outside the show and we got a free Vitamix. Thank you. <laughs> Thank a you, free Vitamix? Yeah, free Vitamix. I, still I was have it. on the show and I didn't get anything. I had to give a lasagna. Okay, well, I'm Martha. so sorry. Yeah. Martha. She was feeling more generous. I'm then. just kidding. I was. She a- took all of like the audiences. Oh, of course. I'll take all 250 Vitamixes. No, but we leave the audience. We're out in Chelsea. It's freezing cold. And there was uh, Emerald Gossi in a hot dog cart like a little like new york hot dog cart what like, was this an acid making trip you free had? hot dogs and giving them to the audience members outside in the freezing that cold that is adorable and i was like this guy is the real real deal he's the real i'm sure he was dropped off by a really fancy car <laughs> yeah and he definitely had like some kind of professional like warmers in his booties mm, but i just ate a leaf of she so it's delicious oh wow can i ask you a question about emerald mm-hmm. um was he tall or short i don't remember okay i have to know and okay. i i picture him being pocket-sized and I would say, um, and I would say, my no. Over, I love Jeff Smith. And okay. Unfortunately, his show was canceled because of yeah uh, allegations of him sleeping with cameramen, which I don't believe. He was probably cute. Jeff. Um, he was uh-uh. a minister. But I learned. You know what I learned? He was from, a minister. Yeah, he was a minister. But you know what I learned from Jeff Smith? What? As I learned, number one, how to make an omelet. Okay. And I learned that you could mix. Uh, I remember I'd always put butter with olive oil so that the butter wouldn't brown. Yep. And that was That's a big a thing. Tip. That was That's a, a great, pro tip. That's Mixed, a great put, tip. When you're putting stuff, sauteing in a pan, add a lot of olive oil. Add a, why not do both? No. Right? People like to waste olive oil or butter. Never use margarine. I can't. Don't. Okay. And what about you, Zara Tangora? What are your- <laughs> Brent's head just exploded thinking about margarine. Uh, what are your, who are your top three favorite? Um, they don't my, have to be celebrities. I guess my, my number three is the chef from the Muppets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a chef because of the chef from the Muppets. Um, no, Muppet guy was number four. So my top three, I guess Yan can cook. Oh my goodness, Yan can love, cook. Love, he changed everything. Love, love, Yan can cook. Um, oh my god, I forgot about my t- my favorite one. 
Ina Garten. I loved her She's and fat. her curious marital situation with her husband, which seemed to be lovely. He at least get got a chicken every Friday when he came home, which I think is a wonderful well, he, way to he, greet he, someone you love. House. Well, they didn't live together. Well, of course not. They have lots of money. They have lots of houses. I would too. Hey, no judge. But keeps their relationship healthy, you know wealthy, what? and absolutely but when you know in this uh, boring society and during the 1990s i was raised and i was like they live in two separate houses but they meet every friday for a chicken and a a chicken (laughs) a chicken and a licking but i loved her really she's just pure class and uh, a cooking idol of mine oh my gosh yeah um, she just, you know what the thing about Ina Garten that I really, really liked was that she had this way of making food legitimately sexy without in any way trying. Like she didn't have any kind of like, you know, oh, I'm trying to be sexy, but there's something so sultry about her. Mm-hmm. Um, I met her at Eli Zaber's private birthday party oh at my, Franny's. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, you were working. Yeah. yeah I thought that, you were a guest. No, no, I was like, two, Brett and Scott. Oh my God. No, I was serving cocktails and pizza. Yeah. Well, and, still. And she was like, I haven't been to Brooklyn in 29 years. And she was really? fabulous. I loved oh. Anna Garten. She was wonderful. She, and all yeah. of the other of her family were, they were fine. Yeah. They, I, were, they were Upper West Siders. She's one of my no heroes judge. of all time. My number one favorite number one, of all Zara, time. Go which I it. think is probably going to be who you forgot. Who? Nigella. Oh my gosh. Nigella, Nigella, Nigella. Now talk about making food sexy. So I love Nigella. I think she's incredibly sexy and gorgeous. And she also just like had this wonderful way of like really letting people know that they can enjoy food in an an almost erotic way, Mm -hmm. you know, and that that was that food was a great pleasure in life. And she kind of brought this thing where it wasn't just about, oh, here's a dump and stir show. She was like, this is meant to be deeply gutturally enjoyed as a one of the sheer pleasures of life yeah she's as we have mentioned before we adore her she's a goddess she's a perfect woman who can do absolutely no wrong i love her yeah so those are my top three and so i guess you know i don't have a great memory when it comes to things like this like oh what did i learn yeah, what did you learn i can't think well that's i think that's thing. a very wonderful thing that i think that zara that you exemplify is to enjoy things and yeah. to not feel, I mean, Zara and I both work in the hospitality business and uh, sort of all fashions, actually, when, especially when we do in-home catering and there's always somebody allergic to this. People yeah. are afraid to eat this. And, we're, you know, I'm not saying that obviously allergies are serious, but people really do have, a, there's a lot of things in America. We have a fear of, oh, I can't have, oh my God, I can't, right. oh, I could never have that. Oh, I'll have this tiny slice and I, Totally. And I think that is a big thing to learn to enjoy things. Totally. And Nigella really did. And she was just gorgeous and beautiful. And she still is. And beautiful without being like the kind of person. Oh, no, darling. You can't have You know what? She's very honest. And she's very, uh, she is just very vulnerable. Yeah. And she was an aspirational figure, of course. But she also had an aspirational figure, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. No, but she was an aspirational public figure who was also an every woman. In What's this with way. These, why are why are British people just doing fabulous I don't know. They're things? They're the best. I'm gonna move there. We're moving uh, there. Okay. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's 110 percent time to move there. As you know, mm-hmm. the events of our own country unfold into <laughs> hellfire in, and brimstone. And now, what the t- hell is this cat doing? This Sparkles, cat is licking is its own belly button. Sparkles but, enjoys things like. And, we're talking about Nigella. He's just like licking his belly button. And now it's. T- 
<clears throat> and now it's time for the segment Chef Recommends. Chef Recommends. Chef Recommends. So putting the your chef phone recommends, away for dinner. Yes, of course. Chef Recommends definitely putting your phone away for dinner. Chef um, Recommends a sour cherry galette. Oh, the chef recommends mm, infused oil. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. Somebody at Brucey one time, uh, I had a sous chef come in who only lasted for like maybe one day after he did this. He was like, so um, I just want you to know there's like this thing that I think you would think is pretty cool. It's called infused oil. And I looked at him and I was like, how dare you? How dare you come into my kitchen and, and he, tell me that a, there's asked, a new thing called infused oil. I am the executive chef of this restaurant. Not only that, but has he been to Chinatown? Or, I just was like offended. I, I took it personally because I, I thought he thought because I was a woman that I mustn't know anything. In the 1980s, everybody made infused gar- garlic oil. I couldn't. I was like, please just go downstairs and chop onions all night now. Don't ever tell me anything again. <laughs> I do love infused oil. <laughs> Who doesn't? It's amazing. Um, you know what? I feel like it kind of fell out of fashion. It did. We should be infused. You know what? I'm gonna, she's. Uh, oh my gosh. She's you know so what? olive. She. We're gonna call it she's, life's a banquet. She's so olive oil. So olive oil. So I. What about it? What would uh, a chef recommend? Inspired by Fanny, because um, she always had her mind on the budget. Yes. What would be a good budget summertime dinner? Uh, a good budget summertime dinner. Yes. Well, I'll tell you the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Uh, which is zucchinis, squash, and corn. Ooh, like a succotash? A succotash. Like a Listen, succotash? and I think the great thing, what I discovered, and I was just reading in, uh, in a few magazines, talking about the, you know, the height of summer, and we have all these markets and wonderful produce, and if you live anywhere that has that, uh, unless you're in South America right now, it's winter, I feel bad for you, but come up here. <laughs> you're always welcome. <laughs> and the <laughs> produce is wonderful, and you just don't have to do a lot to it. Yeah. I gave a, just a quick little saute to some zucchini, and I all I did was put some uh, lemon and sesame oil on it. Ooh, yum. You, don't even, you probably don't even need this, the lemon. Sesame oil, some salt, yeah. pepper, and I just ate that. That's great. That's it. It's delicious. And I was like, and I, you know, we're always sort of saying, oh, what would you do with this? But yeah. I was asking Zara and I like, hey, how would you cook Arctic char with this? I was like, just, you know, the simpler, Simple. the better. Yeah. The better. Uh, simpler, the butter. And uh, so corn and corn's a big one too, because you can get at the market, so you can get, uh, I don't know, a few or years of corn for two bucks or yeah, something. It's pretty cheap. And you can eat it raw. You can have yeah. raw oh, corn. Oh, I love raw corn. You can cut it off the cob. You can just put that on a cast iron pan. You can cut those corns in two, mm-hmm. put them under some high heat, add some lime and mm. some salt Yum. and some butter and lime, salt, butter. Yum. I like, I love corn. Okay. What about you? What would you do if you? <sighs> well, I was very inspired by my friend, Sarah, my mm. friend, Sarah, yeah, Sarah, Sarah my Whitman, friend, my friend, Sarah Whitman Salkin, who I met with yesterday. Yes. Um, she's a wonderful writer and editor of all things food. And she was telling me that when she was growing and up, she runs a cookbook shop too. She has an online cookbook, an online shop cookbook shop of on, classic cookbooks. on Instagram. Yeah. Yes, classic cookbooks. Classic, it's called. classic cookbooks. So she was telling me that when she was growing up, her mother would make for dinner a gigantic salad full of whatever was seasonal. From the market um with just a simple vinaigrette on it 
a huge, huge salad and a, a loaf of bread and butter. And the family of four would just eat that for dinner. Oh my God. And I, I forgot about like, that. That's just perfect. Like a ton of salad and some bread and butter. It's cheap. You could make dinner for four for like under $20. Good quality bread. You're absolutely Good quality right. butter and a great salad. And you don't really need a lot more. It's filling. It's summertime. It's hot. You And it's delicious. You don't need a protein. And for everybody that's wondering. I was about so inspired. A, if somebody's wondering about a vinaigrette, I'm going to give you. There's always, you know, recipes and yes. people. And you're like, oh, a vinaigrette. I'll look up a recipe. There is no recipe needed. I will tell you this. Zarin, I will tell you this. Yes. Take, I don't even, you know what, sometimes I don't even take a jar. You can take a, I take a mason jar if I feel like it. Okay. If I happen to have one and it's convenient and I put some oil in it and I don't measure, but in the jar, I kind of do like half, eh, a little bit more oil to vinegar, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit more. Yeah. But I make a not very oily dressing. Not very oily dressing. And again, these are all personal tastes. When you yeah. look at a recipe, be like, hey, maybe you like more oil or right. maybe you like a really tangy I like everything. a very sharp dressing i don't like mustard in my vinaigrette okay personal personal i do taste. but Zara i also does. i'm also fine without it i'll take whatever i'm hungry yeah. i mean i had a gummy i'll take i'll eat cardboard <laughs> off the side of <laughs> side of those tires that you rolled over the borscht <laughs> with so i would say just fill up a jar and fill, you can use red wine vinegar you could use lemon you could use white wine vinegar yeah some kind of acid balsamic yeah. vinegar yeah acid there's that great book salt acid fat anyway uh and you just shake it and you pour it over and just make sure you salt and black pepper your salad. Yum. And you could throw some dried oregano. You could throw some fresh oregano. You could throw some shiso in it. Lots you could, of herbs. Yeah, you could mix the herbs. You could throw some dill. You could throw some, you just know. Just have fun. I think the idea here is salad. a fun, fun, big market salad. And if you're not near a farmer's market and you're, you know, that's not possible for you, just get whatever you have. Then make a big giant salad and just see how it plays out. Yes, your, from Fanny Craddocks to Market Salads. Exactly. Here on Life's a Banquet, you will hear it all. Luxuriate in a loaf of bread and butter. Oh, God. Can I tell you guys something? I have a secret. Secret. And now it's time for Secrets with I, Zara Tangora. I was just watching. It's really funny. I was watching one of Amy Schumer's old documentaries before I came over. Uh, documentaries, one of her old stand-ups. And uh, she was like, okay, guys, I have a secret for you, but don't, please don't let it leave this room. <laughs> that was like, funny. But um, so nobody tell my secret, Um, but bread and butter is my favorite food. Yeah, that's the name of my brand. I know, bread, bread and, and butter. Buttered. That's the, you don't need anything else. And also Just I'm so fucking hungry right now that I'm about to bite into this entire head of raw shiso. Sarah and I aren't even going to make the vinaigrette for our market salad. We're going to fight gonna... each other for this bunch of raw shiso. This like, bunch of shiso is $2. It's the size of two fistfuls of shiso. So that being said, go ahead, do yourself a favor. Again, if I don't have to say it once, twice, three times, Fanny, F-A-N-N-Y, Craddock, C-R-A-D-O-C-K. When I say Fanny, you say Craddock. When I say fan and you YouTube that and you fall asleep and you send us an email. And please, tell us please email us. How excited you are. Because she's really funny and silly and amazing. And yeah. Have a fabulous week. Get to the beach. Yeah. Make sure you bring your wine opener to the beach. Like I forgot to do when you have your illegal bottle of wine. No, no. You cannot be smashing. You can't be sabering a bottle of Get illegal a twist wine off. on the beach. Get a twist off. There's plenty. Bring a box. And if you're like my mom, bring a giant tub of curry chicken salad. That's right. And this a kite. is Brett and Scott and 
Zara Tangora. Signing off of episode nine on Life's a Banquet because it truly is the podcast that's edible, spreadable, and pourable. Hasta la pasta. All of our episodes are recorded right here at Studio 54 at the heart of Fort Green, Green Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Our rock star award-winning sound editor and producer is Christine Farrell. I'm Zara Tangora. And I'm Bretton Scott. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 